Mike Stevens is a familiar face along the Pennsylvania Road. He grew up in Swoyersville and began his career in broadcasting in 1965, moving on to television and WNEP in 1975, where he later began the On the Pennsylvania Road feature. Welcome to the News Engine podcast, Mike. Nice to be here, and thank you very much for having me. We all have to start somewhere. And looking back over your career, I, I get the sense that one of the biggest stories you covered was also one of your earlier stories, and that would be Hurricane Agnes. Did, did that have a big impact or kind of set the pace for your long career? Um, I, that's hard to say. It was, it was uh, 1972, and um, I'd been in television um, for a while. But um, Agnes was a difficult story to cover because there was so much tragedy connected to it, not necessarily in human life, but because it was a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. Anything that you had in your house, my father had it uh, up to, I think he was about six feet around his house. Uh, and there were people who much higher than that, blown them right off the off the foundations. I think it it taught me to try and develop a, a human story. I didn't, I ended up not wanting to come away with a fact-filled story. I wanted to come away with a story that told about someone's loss, um, about how they loved their home, the neighbors who were not coming back because they couldn't rebuild and so I think from that point on, that's where it, it began to take shape, you know, the, the human side of the thing. And I learned maybe right around in there, not, not long after I got into television at any rate, that, um, that everybody has a story to tell. You have a story. The guy down the street has a story. Everybody has one. It's a matter of my finding it and then allowing you to tell your own story. See, I don't want to get in the way of it, <laughs> lest I ruin the flow, so to speak. I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but you actually left the area for a few years before you found your way back to WNEP, and that's when you really focused on the on the Pennsylvania Road feature. You did something similar at the other stations uh, that you worked at as you, as you traveled around a little bit. Did that kind of help you fine-tune or sort of work the, the formula, if, if, if I may, for on the Pennsylvania Road? Um, not necessarily, because every area was different. I, li I worked in Florida for a while, and there's a lot of people who came to Florida, but they were from <laughs> Wilkes-Barre's Granted, you know, or, or something like that. And I went to Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, uh, there are folks there. It's a brilliant town, a lovely town. Um, and there were people there who were geniuses, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, very intelligent people because of the University of Wisconsin was right in town. Um, and then in Raleigh, North Carolina, the capital of the North Carolina. So every town was different. Every place was different. Every, um, every type of story that I could do became a different type of story to tell if they follow my drift. So when I came back here, I had all that under my belt. Um, and in 1983, I came back in here. 
and um, started to just tell stories. That's what I did. You know, I went around till I found a good story and I told it. Of course, company wanted it three times a week, which made it a little awkward sometime. But, you know, that's here nor there. I think that, uh, you know, as someone who grew up around here, I didn't remember that you were gone for a while. And um, I thought that says a lot about said a lot about you that um, we were so used to having you here and and being part of the storytelling and, and the region itself that, you know, looking back, it just seemed like you were always here and you were always telling those stories. Mm-hmm. And I and I kind of forgot about that little window of time where uh, you, you weren't with us. You were out. Yeah, it was only a couple of years, you know, but it was uh, I was happy to come back. We, my wife uh, went to work here again, and uh, kids went to school, and so um, I was happy to be here telling stories, you know, and I knew the area. In other words, if you, if you said to me, you know the stories in Tawanda, well, what I actually went through my mind was, okay, that's two hours, <laughs> two hours out, <laughs> two drive. hours back. Yeah. <laughs> what can I do in those two hours aside from, you know, play checkers or something? And we would come in with a photographer and it'd be one of these dramatic conversations that went on about this and that, you know. But two hours later, and then we'd stop at a diner that we knew along the way to have lunch or, and then went over to meet the subject for the story. I mean, I knew the area. That's what it, that's my bottom sure. line. So, as someone who's worked in in broadcasting and journalism for many years, I've often said that the worst part of this job is seeing people on what many times is the worst day of their life. Mm-hmm. But you found another path. You were happy, or, or were you happy, or maybe even relieved to move away from the harsh day-to-day news that reporters cover? Maybe giving you a chance to tell stories that might have never been told, or meet people that otherwise you might not have ever met. I I loved it when I moved out of hard news. I loved it. As soon as I realized what I had moved into. <laughs> it was Katie bar the door because I'm not going back, you know, I, I and you never say never. But fortunately, I've been in the position where the company let me go and do what I wanted to do. And what I really wanted to do was to go out and meet ordinary people, not those, as you're saying, in in the worst day of their lives. You know, the, there has been a a fire at their house and it's it's burned to the ground and everything they had was was is gone. I don't want to meet people under those circumstances. I want them where they they say, "Come on in. I have a cigarette lighter collection. I'm willing to show you." <laughs> you know, Mike, there there are a hundred. I'm ballparking here, but a hundred journalists in Northeast Pennsylvania who do what we're talking about. But there's only one guy who does what you do. <laughs> you're you're it. Mm. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know, I think, I think every reporter has, has the ability to do that type of story. But if you're a reporter, you're sent out to do whatever, you know, a, a story about city council or what have you. And you don't really have time to, to diverse you, digress into other things. I did, um, when we used to have Skycam, the, the, the main helicopter, the big one, I was stuck for a story one day, and this is the truth now. I'm not going to make exaggerate this. I'm stuck for a story, and um, I said to the I said to the pilot, I said, "Hey, are you going up at all?" And he said, "No." He said, "I'm just hanging out, you know, not doing much of anything." Jack Rulin was his name, and and he, I said, well, "Let me see if I can get 
use you for something. And uh, so I went to the assignment desk and I said, can I take Skycam for a half an hour or three quarters of an hour? Now, this is little old me. I come in, I want this <laughs> giant helicopter and yeah, go ahead, take it. You know, and I took a photographer with me. We did two minutes on clouds. The cloud story. I watched the cloud <laughs> story. Watch it, huh? I watched it. And, and you actually set it up that way when you do the piece. You say, you know, the pilot is kind of sitting around, you know, yeah, and yeah. we're all waiting for a story. And you noticed that there was a, a just a beautiful bank of or blanket of, of clouds over the valley. Mm -hmm. And and that was where that story <laughs> was born. And and so when I say there's only one guy that does what you do, I, I'm, I think I'm right. And you're being humble. <laughs> Because I can't even imagine going up to an assignment editor or, or a news desk and saying, you know what, I'm going to take the chopper up and we're going to do a story <laughs> yeah. about clouds. Yeah. And yeah. it was fantastic. And they yeah. were beautiful. Yeah, they were. They were. And, you know, and it still strikes me some days that that's what, that's what you, we need more of. You know, we're in such a hurry um, to go, go from point A to point B. And we, we don't take the time to, to smell the roses, an old axiom, but smell the roses and so we we bypass all the stuff that's really really good uh like the clouds you know or the wildflowers you know we've done we've done stories on on wildflowers just growing in a field something we might take for granted yeah. or just drive by every day and not notice it or not even look up and exactly take the time to appreciate it exactly yeah you know um one of my favorites is we walk through the woods and I like to take still pictures. I do some still photography. I'm not very good at it, but I try, you know. And But we walk through the woods. There's two things we don't do. We don't look at where we were in the past. And that's sometimes where the best picture is. But we also don't look up. And that's where some more good pictures are, <laughs> you know. So I constantly walk through the woods looking behind me every so often and looking up. I'm not terribly suspicious. I'm just looking for a story or a, a picture, and that's what that's what I find. You know, you look back or you look up, uh, you're going to come around with something good eventually. I saw you did a piece kind of along those lines, um, not exactly with what you just described, but uh, the one about the uh, amusement park in Lake Ariel. Oh uh, yeah, that was just kind of buried <clears throat> and taken over by the woods, and it was mm -hmm. once a bustling, hustling spot with you know busloads of, of people coming oh, yeah. in, and um, and then it just you know time took over and everything changed, and uh, the the folks who uh, who you went out into the woods with just showed you where all the, the mm -hmm. stuff used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was and it was a, a piece of the past, you know. That was that was people drive by it every day. I drive by it once in a while on my way out somewhere, and um, and I I think to myself, you know, that used to be a really neat park. I should go back there and take another look at it, but you know, there's nothing more to see. In fact, now there's probably even less <laughs> because it's all rusted away or or fallen apart. So, it's obvious that you love what you do, but it's just as obvious that you love who you do it for. And I've noticed a phrase that you use regularly, and that's dear viewer. <laughs> yeah. And and you genuinely appreciate the folks who view your work, don't you? I do. Um, first of all, because they're my audience and one should always respect the audience. But because also they're real people. They're people who are, they're out there trying to make a living, um, trying to make sure that their families are taken care of. 
trying to make sure that they can can get up and go to work every morning, you know, uh, that kind of thing. But at the same time, they're still like the cigarette lighter guy or the keychain guy, you know, they're they're doing these interesting little things. And I think to myself, you know, I bet you our viewers would be interested in somebody who collects salt and pepper shakers. Why? Well, because they're one of a kind. They're pieces of art when you look at them. You know, the one you have on your table is nothing. That's, you know, you bought that the five and dime and you got it home. But it's the ones who make the collections. See, now that's important. That's interesting. And when you have people who have hundreds of them collecting, collected like that, um, now you got a real story, I think, you know. I get the sense, too, that uh, the script doesn't come until after you've shot the piece and conducted the interviews. And I can't tell if you find these stories by word of mouth, tips, or just kind of wandering around the area. Can you share a little <laughs> bit of this secret sauce and tell us how you come across your subjects? Um, well, it, it's kind of a... It's kind of a mix, I guess. Um, you know, somebody will call me up and say, hey, I got this guy down the road. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I like guys down the road. Right. You know? <laughs> and I say, well, do you have a phone number? And the guy will say, yeah, sure, I got a phone number. And I, I call, you know, and that's how I make the, uh, make the connection. And from there, we just go on. And then sometimes, you know, you're in the right place at the right time. And... The very first story I ever did, and I'll digress here for a moment. The very first story I ever did, the company sent me out, and they said, we want you to do this on the Pennsylvania Road thing, and we want you to do it three times a week. Well, I don't even know what it is. They didn't know what it was. They showed me a videotape of, of an example from, I think, Oklahoma. And they said, this is what we want you to do. And I'm thinking, man, you know. I don't know where any of these people like they have on that video, but they said, here, go look. Come back when you need a photographer. So, so I said, okay, um, and off I went. And I went for three days, and I didn't find anything. And I would stop at grocery stores. I'd stop at diners, you know, and I found nothing. <laughs> And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a short-lived assignment. They're going to put me back on a road. Yeah, I'm going to be back on the fire beat. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, And I wound up finally on one day, on a Wednesday, I wound up at a gas station mini mart down near Williamsport, near Hughesville, more likely. And um, I'm in telling my tale of woe to the woman behind the counter and she's probably okay right yeah (laughs) she said you know she said you ought to really go over and see george taylor who lives across the street and i said well what does he do and she said well he forecasts the weather and i thought forecast the weather he didn't have a license to do it not here (laughs) how does he do that so i went over and talked to george and that's how that's how it all came together he was the first story, you know, and we had, he told it by the old style, the old country style. We sat on a front porch when we were shooting this story and we were using film, cost 35 cents a foot to buy and process. We had it all figured out. And I'm sitting there with, with George <laughs> and I said, so George, um, how do you tell the weather? And he said, well, he said, one of the examples is, he says, that 
crickets under the porch. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, there was one cricket under there while we were talking. He said, I counted 14 chirps. He said, I'll bet you we get that much in another minute. Let's listen. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, 35 cents a foot's cranking through this camera. Then the photographer's looking at me like, okay, what am I going to do next? And so George said, now, he said, there's 14 chirps. He said, that means it's going to rain tomorrow. And I said, but how do you know that? And he said, well, I don't know for sure, but it's happened often enough. Got to be some truth to it. (laughs) So that's, you know, I tell everybody that's that's what I do. That's where my stories come from. There's got to be some truth to them somewhere. <laughs> Do you stay in touch with any of the folks that you, you've, you, you know, I know that's got to be hard because they're so mm-hmm. spread out. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned, you remembered that George was was your first story. And, um, you know, I just think that, you know, so many of these folks, when you meet them or talk to them for the first time, that's probably their one and only shot at, you know, their introduction to the world. And, and mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. not people who live in the, the metropolis. They, no. They're out off the beaten path. So do you ever cross paths with any of these folks ever? Occasion- yeah, occasionally I'm, I'll run across somebody or just, you know, happen to be in the same place at the same time. Or if we're in town and I have the time, I don't do the road pieces anymore. But if I had time, I stop and shoot the breeze a little bit, see how things are going, you know. So how's your, uh, how's your uh, cigarette lighter collection going? Uh, <laughs> how many crickets are we up to <laughs> yeah, today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so. get the sense that you're somewhat of a nostalgic person mm-hmm. um so so the news that the old wnep building at the airport is is being uh, torn down must evoke some feelings and some memories for you i mean that's the place where miss judy and the original backyard weather forecast and bowling for dollars were mm-hmm. all born so mm-hmm. yeah, does that when, when you see that happening is that kind of a flood of memories for you it is uh, and uh, you know i I I went over and took some took some pictures, still pictures of my own. I actually have a little essay piece that we do um, it's called Stephen Says. I'll get a plug in, and uh, and we a, will link to that by the way in, right. in in the podcast, so folks oh, who uh, will be able to find what you're. Oh, all right. Um, and so I had I had a, a little essay. I wrote it that that afternoon when I got back home. I looked at the front door of that building. And I thought to myself, in 1975, you walked through the front door of this building and you were walking into television and you went in the newsroom, news director introduced me, and here was Liz Purcell. My gosh, I've seen her on television. Wow. And there's Bob Carroll on the assignment desk. I know him. He was on TV. All these people were on TV. And there's just little old me. I don't know nothing. (laughs) You know, I knew how to write a story, but that was about it. And I didn't know how to write for television. I had to learn that as I went along. But, you know, that's... That's the way it was, and that, and I was sad to see the building go. I understand its progress, and it has to be that way, but you can't help but feel a little nostalgic, you know. At, at one point, you had an On the Pennsylvania Road van, and, and plenty of times, and you had just mentioned it before, that you were airborne in the station helicopter. Uh, the pace seems slower, and my guess is that most everyone along the way was happy to see you, but <laughs> I have to ask this, as a, as a former photographer yeah. uh, who worked in a newsroom, 
Was being a photographer for Mike Stevens the most coveted job at the station? Is that <laughs> did everyone want that? I mean, because you knew you were probably going to get a, a stop for lunch. Yeah, uh, yeah, you might bump into an ice cream cone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. They, I don't know whether it was coveted. Ed, I went off and put it that far, but <clears throat> there were a lot of people who said, you know, I'm not doing anything today. Why don't I go out with you? Yeah, I'd say sure. I I don't care. You know, I mean, it's nice to have. I liked everybody. So it didn't matter who the shooter was. Um, I would go out with him or her, and we'd have a good time. That's the way it was, you know. And, yeah, you're right. We'd run into an ice cream cone or um, there, was a, there was a diner out along 118. I'd get home at, at, at night. My wife would say, well, she knew, she knew what I was doing earlier. I'd say, well, how was your busy day today? And I'd say, Something like to the effect, and this actually happened once. I'd say, well, you know, we were, Sheldon's, Sheldon's Diner was open in the morning, so we stopped for coffee on the way out. But, geez, the pie wasn't ready yet. So, <laughs> so when we, on the way back, though, we stopped, and by golly, they had the apple pie out of the oven by then. It was cooled down enough so I, they could cut me a slice. So it was a tough day. You know, I ask about the photographers, but as I watch your pieces too, another thing came to mind. So maybe you know people wanted to take the ride and the slower pace and hear the interesting stories, but you didn't exactly give your photographers an easy go of it, meaning that <laughs> they had work to do. I mm -hmm. mean, I've seen them. You know, I, I, so when I see you out in the uh, river in a canoe. The photographer's got to be in the canoe next to you. You know, you're walking through the woods and you're hopping on a combine. And mm -hmm. so we see you, but, you know, the the photographer in tow is is doing some some serious work. And as a photographer, I get the sense that you probably always respected and appreciated mm -hmm. the hard work that they put into it. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. Let me make it absolutely clear that, yeah, they work a heck of a lot harder than I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <clears throat> because, yeah, you're right. You got to have if you see one shot. There's, there's usually two of the same type, but from a different angle, the second one comes in. So you're looking at the guy in the canoe, he's with me. Then somewhere along the way, we switch and I become, I'm, I'm in the canoe, but he's alongside me, you know, so we get the, the sideways shot. Yeah, they work a lot harder than I do. But after a while, I think, in my case anyway, we got into a proper sink. And they would know pretty much what we were going to do. I mean, I'd say, well, all right, canoe ride today on the Susquehanna. Nice, quiet pool, nothing hazardous to our health. And they'd say, uh, okay, that's no problem. And, <laughs> you know, and we'd go at it. And I'd tell the people ahead of time, you know, we're probably going to need two canoes. We need somebody to drive the second one because I'm not going to do it. And it's cause we need one for the photographer. And they would have it pretty much worked out in their minds what they were going to do. And it even got to the point where um, when I was doing an interview with somebody, and I never, we never did a formal interview, as, even as we're doing here. We never did a formal interview. It was my only, my only statement to the subject going in was, I will not make you look bad on television. This is your one and only chance on TV. I'm not going to make you look bad. You'll be fine. Just relax. It's okay. We'll take care of it. And by golly, they would go. The people would say, okay. And I'd do my best to hide the microphone. Photographer would be back here. And they would know when you could hear the sound bite coming up. 
you know, I'd ask the guy about such and such, and he'd say, oh, yeah, well, this is the way it went. And they would roll on that. So I always had the video that I needed, you know, the question and answer. So we never had an interview. Never. Yeah, you make a good point about that with, with the interview. So, yeah, you weren't really asking questions as much as you were having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I get the sense that, well, I can tell right now you're a pretty easy guy to talk to. But, you know, when you show up with a, a you know, a helicopter and a van and a, and a film crew <laughs> and, and microphones, um, that can be somewhat intimidating for, uh, you know, a guy who's, uh, you know, planning turnips yeah. uh, all day. But so you have just kind of built in ability to calm people down, make them relax, and, and get them to open up to you a little bit. I hope so, I, you know, because it's served me well over the years. Yeah, it, we were just, we just schmooze, so to speak. You know, we're sitting there talking, and I'd say something like, gee, that, that lighter collection, boy, that must have started with, what, one on vacation? And, he, and then the subject would go on from there. And he'd say, well, yeah, that's kind of how it started. But it sort of built over the years, and I never left a place I didn't have a cigarette lighter for. And I use that as an example, you know, but we've had other people who collected other things. But, yeah, you know, you just sit there and shoot the breeze, that's all. There's, there's such an interesting uh, array of folks that you've talked to over the years, and they're, you know, farmers and gardeners. And, uh, you know, we mentioned the good ice cream cone, maybe along the <laughs> side of a babbling brook somewhere. And they're all kind of common themes. But did you have a favorite subject or a favorite type of story o- over the years that, you know, that you found yourself kind of coming back to or you just love them all? Uh, yeah, I must say, I don't I, I never picked a favorite because they were all in their own special way, good. They were all people who were just nice people, and that's what I did. I did my stories with them and walked away. So I, in a sense, every one of them was special. So I didn't pick any favorites, either then or now. <laughs> you, you seem to have found yourself in some of the quietest and off-the-beaten-path places in all of northeastern Pennsylvania. And, and these are folks that we never get a chance uh, to meet, folks that you know, it's not normal for them to have someone to show up with a, a, a camera and, and a microphone. That's got to be kind of neat for you, though, to know that you're that guy, that you are you had mentioned earlier, this is their their one chance to be on TV or their one chance mm-hmm. to do an um, <clears throat> interview. That's got to be kind of special for you, right, to, to, to be that guy that sort of introduces them to, their, to the world? You know, I never thought of it quite like that, I guess. Um, I just thought of it as somebody doing their job, an opportunity to meet different people you know i mean take your case i wouldn't have never would never have met you had i not been doing what i've been doing all my career you know um the 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 people who are out there the the guy who forecasts the weather you know there was (laughs) there was a guy who was a birdcage collector other people who the one guy who invented the gypsy moth killing machine which I don't have here with me, but I should have brought it along just to demonstrate it to you. You know, it's those are people who were just neat people to know. And I loved sitting around and shooting the breeze with them. You know, that's that's that was my career. I saw the video of the of the gypsy moth uh, killing machine. <laughs> what struck me is that it was unique for what you do because it involved killing something. Uh-huh. But it was killing something that kind of had to be killed and eradicated. And yeah. I, I just thought, I thought it was interesting how, how you 
you pulled that off, how you did that. It, mm-hmm. it would not typically, if I if if an assignment editor were to say, you know, hey Mike, we got a guy up in uh, uh, you know Meshapan <laughs> who kills stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, go do an interview. That that yeah. wouldn't be you, but you actually found a way to to make them interesting and and you know yeah. unique. Well, it was it was all. It was all tongue-in-cheek to begin with because if you remember, if you look at the, the gypsy moth killing machine, there was a, one place to drop in <laughs> one gypsy moth caterpillar and crank it, and then the thing would come out dead for sure, and you had a little box down at the bottom. You'd throw that away, throw the carcass away, and go on to the next one. And I had, when I went out and did public appearances, I'd had this whole thing built up. and But the, the whole story behind it was I used the word killing because... <laughs> the subject used it. John Zettel was right, his name, right. and and John had built it tongue in cheek as well. And so as soon as we got there, five seconds later, I thought, okay, well, this isn't going to be real. You know, we're, <laughs> we're just going to do this and see what happens. And and by golly, it, it became one of those classics for me. I got a, such a kick out of it because my first thought was what you just alluded to. As I'm watching it, I'm thinking. <laughs> How many gypsy moths can this guy actually kill with this thing? I mean, there's gypsy moths dying of old age before he gets them into the machine. So you're right; it was tongue in cheek, but it was, it's a perfect example of just some of the the, the curiosities and some of the oddities that mm-hmm. you would find and, and stumble across uh, while oh, yeah. while you were out there. Any idea how many stories you've told? Is there any way to measure that? Do you keep oh, track of it? Or gosh, uh, no. There, uh, we were doing probably um, maybe a hundred and fifty a year, plus whatever special assignments there were, like Bloomsburg Fair. We'd do five there, you know, those kinds of things. So I, I don't know because I it, sometimes too I was working for Outdoor Life and I'd work for Home and Backyard, so there were stories there that were done. Um, sometimes we'd take road trips. We went around Pennsylvania uh, by van twice, I think. And we did a, a helicopter tour of Pennsylvania by air. You know, so those stories, you know, we might do f- 10 or 15 stories out of um, on, on the road just traveling, driving, you know. So, you know, Ed's Elephant Museum down near Gettysburg, that's the place you got to see. And, <laughs> um, but you know those kinds of stories that we just went around and and did them. So 150 probably becomes 250 over a period of time. You know. So we're usually looking at thousands of of Mike Stevens probably, stories yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or, over the years. You tried to retire, but it didn't take. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it didn't no, last, did it? No. Well, you and I were talking about this before. It's in my blood. And that's a that's a trite saying, I think. More people use it than not, but it's in my blood, and I can't I can't put it down. You know, it's like a a chili dog at the ball game. You know, you can't just put it aside. <laughs> <laughs> you got to eat it, right? And so they let me do some stuff. You know, I do a photo link library twice a week, and once in a while I'll do a little something else. And but I try to do that Stephen says things as often as I can because that allows me to take pictures with it. And so, you know, I keep my fingers in the pie, so to speak. And John has the has the uh, road pieces now. He goes out and does them once a week. Um, but because of his schedule, that's all he can swing is one a week, you know. So, because he, he gets up at 2.30 in the morning. 
<laughs> so so you can feel his pain of mm-hmm. uh you know so you had a you did about three a week you said yeah but that was what you did almost <clears throat> exclusively outside mm-hmm. of some things that you did back in the studio right so john's got a bit of a tough gig i mean he's on the air every day and he's still got to go out and produce a a, a segment a, a week yeah yeah it's it's a lot harder you know um so i was into if if we needed a story <laughs> like you're you're looking at Oh, my goodness, Wednesday is the day after tomorrow, and I don't have a story ready for it. Let's see, what can I do? Oh, I know. Give me a photographer. We're going to go out and do something. <laughs> and we would go to I, this one guy I had with me one time, and he's no longer at the station, so I can talk behind his back. But he was a new guy at that point. He, he comes into work, and they, for some reason they sent him out with me. Which is probably the worst thing you can ever do to a photographer who's new to the game. So we go out, and it's raining, and it, and we're driving along, driving along. We get out to Tunkanic area, take a back road down someplace, and we come to this intersection. And I stopped, and I looked around, and I said, well, this will do. He said, do for what? <laughs> and I said, well, here's where the story is. He said, no, there's nothing here. Oh, he said, there is so. I said, look here. I said, there's a crossroads here. And over there is a bunch of horses out in the field. Um, and here is a corn crop getting ready to, to grow, you know, in the house up on the hill. Clearly, that's the farmer's house. And it's cloudy and it's drizzly. Eh, I think we can shoot this and get away with it, you know. And we did. <laughs> <laughs> and get away with it. Get away with it, yeah. I love it. Yeah, well, because, you know, it was... It was what what was going on that day. It wasn't exciting, maybe. It was just a day. You know, here were what was going on. That was it. There's a, there's a time capsule element to what you do, where you, you capture a moment of time and you capture a story, and it, and it kind of you know lives on forever, um, either in the video vault or now on YouTube or, or wherever. That's got to make you feel good. You got to be mm-hmm. proud of that, knowing that that body of work is is out there for uh, the, the world to see, and those stories that you've captured and that you've told are just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, kind of neat. I never imagined. Anywhere, of course, I didn't imagine the internet at that point when I was first starting out. But yeah, that's uh, that's quite a, a legacy. You know, my grandchildren will be able to go back twenty years from now, somewhere on digital in a digital world, and find those stories and and watch what the old guy did. You know, so it, yeah, it's kind of interesting too look at it in that respect <laughs> so you'd mentioned that you you kind of came out of retirement and they keep you busy at the station and while you mm-hmm. don't do the actual pennsylvania road anymore what's what's next for mike stevens uh how much longer are we going to see you or hear you or be aware of you out on the pennsylvania road <laughs> so some would say see me uh, <laughs> <clears throat> we've seen enough of him um i don't know i you know it's just as long as it is they'll let me do it as long as they'll let me fool around with what I'm doing now. I do, I'm, I'm fooling around with some podcasts, maybe something will come out of that, you know. The Stephen Says, which is that uh, a little essay type thing that I like to do with the pictures. So I started doing a um, uh, thing for uh, WISL Radio down in uh, Shemokin. And uh, so I do a thing called Here and There, or this, this and that, I'm sorry, this and that. 
I, I work on that because that's a fun thing to write, you know. It's 500 words of nostalgia, and so that's fun for me. As long as it's amusing and entertaining, why not, you know? I love it. As long as it's amusing and entertaining, you're going to keep doing it. And your energy is still there. You're, you're, you're still, uh, you still look forward to it. I can still, you still got a sparkle. You're still excited about it. <laughs> yeah. This does not bore you. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because it's always changing. The subject matter changes every day when you think about it. The people who are here today are sometimes, unfortunately, gone tomorrow. The corn crop has been cut down. The wheat's been harvested, so is the hay. The hay is already into the barn. Those things happen every, every day, you know, and it's my job to, or has been my job, to record those moments, good or bad. <laughs> so, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you in. Mike Stevens, who has spent a lot of time on the Pennsylvania road, and I'm glad that uh, we, we managed to pull you off of the road and into <laughs> our studio uh, for a few minutes. Mike, uh, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Nice, nice of you to have me.